Hey, welcome back to Parallel Passion. With me today is Jure Jove. Jure is a software engineer at ConvertKit, but he's also a huge petrol head. He has a very interesting vlog where he showcases his passion for racing and cars in general. We had a very interesting discussion about all of this. So without further ado, here's Jure. Hi, uh, welcome, welcome Jure. Thanks for having me. Let's dive uh, immediately into it. Like if you, if I look you up on uh, Instagram or Twitter or whatever, um, the first thing I see about you is cars. Um, it's it's racing. Um, it's uh, just like obsession with cars. It's it's everything. So, where where does this originate from? Yes. Yeah, so um, I would say I'm not a typical petrol head that like was playing around with cars when he was, I don't know, two years old. Um, so for me, it started kind of late. Um, I still remember, I don't know, maybe it was the summer break from uh, the elementary school to high school. And uh, I remember downloading all 15 or 16 seasons of Top Gear <laughs> and binge watching them through the summer break. So yeah, we've we've all been there. Yeah, yeah. So I think it started back then. And um, I don't know, at first, I, I still remember when I was a small kid, I was a afraid of anything mechanical. So if it was a, you know, a loud tractor or, a, you know, drilling machine, I was kind of afraid of it. And then that fear kind of grew into passion or love. I don't know how you would call it. Was there any specific event that changed this uh, fear to obsession? I don't remember anything specific, but maybe it was just my instinct of uh, trying to cope with the fear and, you know, uh, beat the fear or defeat the fear. So I don't remember any specific events. And do you still follow Top Gear or have you switched to Grand Tour or do you watch both? I actually watch both. I like the comedy part of the Grand Tour and I love the three idiots. <laughs> um, but I also think that um, the new Top Gear, especially now with the, uh, what was the first, I, I always forget the first host. That, oh, Chris Evans, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like the, when the fir they first announced uh, Evans being on the, you know, the series, I was like, holy crap. He's got an insane collection of Ferraris and he's a true petrol head. But after the first episode, I was like, well, this doesn't feel right. And I'm kind of happy they ditched him. And I think Chris Harris is uh, an incredible journalist and petrol head and driver. So I'm really happy that he's on the show now. And he's kind of taken the main stage with... Uh, with Joey, <laughs> with LeBlanc. So. I, I think there's a huge uh, difference in season one and season two. Well, yeah. whereas it, well, it's what's this season twenty or whatever. But basically, these are these are new Top Gears. Yeah, yeah. So in in the previous one, they were all just sort of feeling it out. No one knew their role. They had like what eight presenters. There was like Sabine. Sometimes there were some yeah, yeah. other people just randomly popping in. The, the guy from Jaguar F1 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but now they're like, yeah, again, back down to three. I think um, some chemistry is now happening there as well. Mm -hmm. It's um uh, for me it's it became enjoyable this season whereas previous season yeah it was really painful to watch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but they they all have good cars. Maybe I miss some of those scenic footage in latest Top Gears. Or maybe it's coming like in later in season, but. That's one thing I really like about Grand Tour and the old Top Gear, where they just went to some place and just the the footage they took with like beautiful cars, beautiful scenery, it just looked really amazing and really like inspiring. Yeah, yeah, that was that was insane, and I like all the time I was I was watching, especially those special episodes when uh, where they went to uh, I don't know. Uh, Patagonia or someplace and I was like whoa this is freaking amazing I would definitely like to have a job like that and, uh, <laughs> yeah we all would <laughs> yeah and spe speaking of nice cars and scenery um, have you went to Stelvio Pass yes I have because um, we we discussed it in the first episode with Lloyd but he went with uh, with bike and you I yeah, guess yeah, yeah. went with the car 
Yeah, so uh, the Stelvio experience is definitely interesting. Um, obviously, because it was on Top Gear as uh, one of the world's best driving roads, um, I was kind of expecting it to be like crowded and a lot of caravans and bikes and, you know, uh, just crowd in general. But we went there on like a autumn Monday or something. It was like Monday 7 a.m. and it was completely empty, like zero cars. I think we passed maybe one or two car, two cars on our way up and down and then up again and down again so it was like it was beautiful perfect weather um, no traffic but the road itself was it did kind of disappoint because it's on some places it's really narrow and the hair like you have these million hairpins which if you have a small car is great if you have a bigger car it's kind of annoying because you have to brake and switch down to first gear and then accelerate so you're like braking and accelerating all the time and ah yeah so it can be really shaky yeah 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 um so like my advice would be if anyone who's into cars or driving uh i would definitely recommend the Grossglockner uh pass in austria um you have to actually pay the toll there's like a 35 euro toll uh but the road is absolutely amazing it's wide it's you know you can see like a few uh, corners ahead and there's no traffic if you go early in the morning so that's in my experience that's the best driving road here like near slovenia yeah um but i I think even um, slovenian roads would be really good if they'd be a bit better quality because we have a lot of nice passes but the roads are yeah that great they are crappy (laughs) (laughs) i i also saw that you're into um cars and coffee Uh Uh, how many have you visited by now uh if you count the slovenian one i think it's five so um the first one was two years ago in april in italy uh and then i went that year i went to two more um and then uh last year i also went to the first one in italy which is um it's it's taking place in brescia and uh i'm also going there it's i think it's on 15th of april this year so it's it's coming up close and what where is that one gonna be uh same place so they always host the first event in brescia and it's absolutely amazing it's like 300 plus cars all from ferrari f40s f50s la ferraris mclarens it's it's insane yeah i imagine in italy being more ferrari uh, biased maybe yeah i think it like definitely there are a lot of ferraris and lambos but the the porsche uh how would i say attendance is also uh, extremely huge i think mm-hmm. that the, the majority of cars or, or like the yeah, I would say the majority of the cars there were Porsches. So if if you count one single brand. Yeah. And and how's the coffee at Cars and Coffee? <laughs> uh uh I don't know. It's not so good. It's, <laughs> it's like you kinda you kinda drink it and think, well, if the coffee would be as good as the cars I'm looking at, it would be perfect, but you know. Yeah, where where does the name even come from? Why why coffee? Um, I think it was the the founder's passion or idea he had. He enjoyed coffee. He enjoyed great cars. So he just said, "Well, we should have an event where you drink coffee and look at cars." So <laughs> yeah, yeah. But well, if if you're used to the type of coffee that we're drinking, I'm, I'm guessing Italian espresso does not do it. Nope. It does not. <laughs> <laughs> so sugar always helps. Oh yeah, yeah. With Italian coffee without sugar, it's almost impossible to to drink. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I saw that you really liked like German engineering, like BMWs and Porsches, and I saw that you went to uh, below zero ice driving. So oh yeah, yeah. How was how was that? How did how did you even like um, find out about it and then like decided to to do it? Yeah, so uh, it comes back to Chris Harris again. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had a cool 
clip or YouTube clip uh, from back when he was doing, I think, Chris Harrison cars. And he just went to the the same event and did a amazingly cool clip or video of, of the experience he had. And I was hooked immediately, but I think I watched the video on in in the summer, I think. So I had to wait like half a year uh, for the um, the event to you know start happening again. And it was kind of expensive. Um, I'm not sure what the prices right now are, but uh, I went with a friend of mine and we kind of shared the same car. Um, and it's really expensive. I think the prices back then were five thousand pounds for oh. a car yeah for a day plus getting there i can imagine yeah not that yeah um but the experience is absolutely amazing like you're driving vintage porsches uh like race prepared vintage porsche porsches on uh ice lakes and you can go flat out you can basically crash the car because there you know there are snow banks on each side and you mm. can't really do anything to the car so you can really go flat out and i can't imagine driving uh, a vintage porsche on any other surface or cir- circumstance uh, like you can on the the ice track so. yeah you're probably way more afraid to um like go full on exactly um <laughs> if if it's not as safe yeah yeah so that was definitely one of the best driving experiences I ever had. Was it only about experience or did you learn something about drifting or like handling car in, in poor, um, like, uh, well, I don't know how to how to properly express it, but like poor conditions maybe? Yeah, uh, that was definitely um, something I learned. And one thing I do regret is that I... You know, I was, I think I got our BMW like four months before I went to the iDriving event and I wasn't really used to real wheel driving cars and especially rear engine cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, driving a Porsche is, you know, you you have to drive it a bit differently because you basically steer it with uh, your throttle pedal instead of the steering wheel so you just you use minimum amount of steering and you just control the car with the throttle and it's kind of hard from the start so I do regret that I didn't you know try different cheaper events where I could um, learn more car control before going to the uh, port driving event but you know, I still learn a lot. Uh, you learn the basics of, you know, driving sideways, controlling the car, how you, what you can do with the brake pedal, with the throttle pedal, and um, yeah, and you know how to work with weight transition in the car. So that was extremely helpful as well as a cool experience. Yeah, the the pictures from the event definitely look like really interesting, and and videos and everything. Yeah. What got you into German cars? Like why Porsches and, and BMWs? Uh, I don't know. I think the the reason we got the, the BMW is because for the price or the budget we had, there really wasn't any substitute. You know, we couldn't get any other car that would get close to 400 horsepower. And, you know, real wheel drive. Well, that's hard to pronounce, but yeah, <laughs> rear drive. Um, so... I think that was just, you know, it was an iconic car. It has a V8 engine and it's kind of reliable. You know, I've been, we've been owning the car of, we've owned the car for two years now and we didn't have any significant issues. So it's reliable. And I have heard that Ferraris or Lambos are extremely unreliable. And I, you know, a guy I know has a Ferrari and he's like, well, it's kind of standard that when you go to a Ferrari meetup, um, you go to lunch, eat lunch, and then come back to the parking lot and you hear a bunch of V6 and V4 engines because they just start the engines and, you know, they're running on four pistons (laughs) or five pistons. So it's kind of a joke in the Ferrari community and you just have to live with it. And I was like, well, I, I don't know. Maybe if you have an unlimited amount of money and you can repair all, all, all your cars and service them, you know, when they break down. Uh, but otherwise, I think the Germans uh, know how to do a, how to make a reliable sport car. Sort of feel like you should do Ferrari meetups at like service centers. 
just like <laughs> yeah exactly just in case <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I, I well i think also like spare parts for ferrari is going to be more expensive i mean uh, going from bmw like to to ferrari i think that's like a different uh price class yeah exactly and uh you know my i really really want to have a porsche uh sometime soon but i'm perfectly perfectly happy with an older model and it's kind of strange because the newer models are expensive as hell but the old models like the vintage 20 plus year models are also expensive as hell so (laughs) you have to go for the middle which is kind of boring or at least some people say it's boring but you know but are they also more um, expensive now because uh, all of the uh, well people complaining about the new ones having everything electronic and and the old ones are still sort of manual yeah yeah and the funny thing is uh so i don't want to get into too much specifics but like the the model uh, 996 of the 911 uh range is like a lot of people uh are complaining that it's the unwanted porsche and the (laughs) interior looks like crap but like when you look at a vintage porsche the interior also looks like crap (laughs) so they're like kind of biased because it's a vintage porsche it you know the interior doesn't look nice it doesn't have all the fancy gadgets but you know it's air cooled it's all manual no fancy electronics so yeah and yeah. it will become vintage at some point right exactly yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah i i really like the uh, the philosophy around why uh, Porsche created the 911 and i I have experienced it a bit in Sweden, uh, you know, driving on the ice. And I think there's a lot more, you know, the the car is hiding a lot more stuff that can be explored. So I'm looking forward to owning one someday. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. I mean, it's a, it's a classic car. But to me, not being that much into Porsches, I really find it hard to even like from a distance know which which one it is. To me, they're all sort of the same. Yeah, yeah. And... I know that's been a running joke in Top Gear. They have like, oh yeah, yeah, like the yeah. the Beetle or whatever. They yeah, call yeah, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you don't race with your car yet, right? You're you're racing with um, a, well, uh, how to say it nicely, lower category uh, Clio, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, so actually, um, uh, me and a friend of mine bought uh like the exact same M3 as we have, but it's semi-converted to a race car last year so we still haven't driven it properly but it has a roll cage racing seats harnesses it's 200 kilograms lighter than my or the than the stock car Mm -hmm. so it's kind of it's going to be interesting but i haven't driven it yet so you're you're only halfway right on the <laughs> I have driven I have raced with a Renault Clio before but uh, this season is gonna be uh, driving or racing the M3 oh cool and when does the season start uh, so our first track day is on April 9th uh, that's gonna be our first outing on a track and we'll see how that goes if the car performs well or you know if it has any issues but yeah, it should be interesting driving a 400 horsepower car that's even lighter than uh, I don't know a stock, I don't know Skoda or something. <laughs> and will you be more, um, I, I don't know, like scared to to go to to the edge because now you own the car? Yeah, definitely. Well, it's kind of a two-edged sword because the Clio, if you crash the car, um, you have to practically pay the you know the damages or cover the damages um rather quickly because otherwise the racing team can't rent the car Mm -hmm. uh going forward but if you total your racing car and you're like well i don't have the cash to repair it now it can just sit in the you know in the garage and yeah and repairing clio and bmw is not exactly the same thing (laughs) yeah that's true as well yeah (laughs) but uh, but it's gonna be I think the it's going to be more scarier because the car is so much more powerful and um yeah I don't know we'll see we'll see how it goes <laughs> Yeah and um basically the whole reason I know about this Clio is I I watched one of your vlogs on the mm-hmm. Buzet race um yeah 
I don't know. Is that correct pronunciation? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. How, how, why did you decide to, to do that? And um, how did you practice for it? Um, like, So my, uh, let's say, racing career, it hasn't really been a career, but um, like my first steps into racing happened, I think, seven or eight years ago. And I rented an older Clio back then, did a hill climb race, but back then I was, you know, broke. I didn't have any money, so I could only afford one race and I did it and it was great. Um, but I kind of put racing on the sidetrack because, like I said, I didn't have money to pursue it. It's extremely expensive. Um, and yeah, so fast forward, um, last year I... Um, I decided I'm gonna pick up racing again and I decided I'm gonna do the hill climb race in Croatia because I've heard great things about it. It's, you know, the crowd is great. The whole city or let's say town of Buzet is extremely welcoming of all the race drivers and it's their biggest event of the year. So like the whole town gathers and all the surrounding towns come and watch the race. Oh, nice. And yeah, and it's a great atmosphere. And um, so to your question, how did I practice? Uh, hill climbs are tricky because, you know, you're driving on a, a regular road, which has speed limits and, you know, cops and <laughs> pedestrians and bikes. So you can't really practice that good, but you can kind of, you know, you can kind of drive the racing line while going slowly which is not exactly the same but you can at least learn the corners which comes next uh, where you can you know where you have to break late and stuff like that so you just you know you have to take your normal car and go at night or early morning where there's no traffic and kind of you know practice the line while going slowly and obeying the law. <laughs> yeah, and and this Clio is a is a manual transmission car. No, so the Clio is um, it's actually a, a race car that Renault developed for their Clio Cup series, and it's uh, it's not as expensive as if you would go out and buy a Clio RS mm -hmm. and you know turn it into a race car because they basically just take the shell. Uh, put in the roll cage the engine uh, and the special thing about that race car is that it has a sequential gearbox mm. so it's a racing gearbox you have flappy paddles and but yeah if, um, if porsche would do that so if they would remove parts from the car they would just sell it for more money not, not less <laughs> yeah <laughs> And they they actually do like you you have the 911 GT3 and then you have the GT3 RS which has like a sticker instead of a Porsche badge and stuff <laughs> like that and you have to pay more for the car so uh, they they're good at business man <laughs> yeah yeah exactly uh, less is more <laughs> yeah it's a sequential gearbox it's electronically controlled which means you have flappy pedals. And it's really cool to drive. You still have the clutch for taking off. Um, but yeah, it's it's a cool race car. And um, it. I was actually considering buying the Clio versus the M3 race car. But uh, the M3 has a lot more potential going forward. You know, it's real-wheel drive, mm -hmm. which means that you can put more power in it. Um, it has a longer wheelbase, which is which makes it more stable and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, Clio is a is a cool car. And um, to be honest, since I'm used to driving a 400 horsepower car on the road, you know, the Clio now with its 220 horsepower were was not you know extremely how would I say it. Uh, frightening uh, exciting maybe <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, it was still exciting but it wasn't like i'm afraid to drive it and you're going uphill <laughs> yeah so it's yeah just thinking that going uphill um making transmission at uh at the wrong point is even more pronounced right it's even yeah, it's even yeah. bigger mistake if you if you screw up exactly it, once you lose the momentum of if you're going uphill you're like the you're losing seconds not just you know tenths yeah. of, of a second so and the bmw the racing one is a, is a manual yeah that's a manual and we bought it off of a guy that's a big you know uh, one of the best drifters in slovenia mm -hmm. and he wanted to have the the car for drifting but then he found out the car even though it's 200 
plus kilograms lighter. It's still too heavy for him. So he just decided to sell it. And oh, um, yeah, yeah. But he, since he was a drifter, he needed a manual. And to be honest, uh, I think in this car, a manual is a better option unless we put in a proper racing sequential gearbox. But those are like, I don't know, 25 or 30,000 euros. Oh, wow. So, so yeah. is our sequential better than double clutch in, in racing? Uh, yeah, in racing, you usually have a sequential single clutch gearbox and it's super fast. And, you know, the way the gears are cut, they are straight cut, uh, which is that's the sound you usually hear if you watch an onboard clip of a race car. It's like a whining noise. Mm -hmm. And that's just the, the gearbox. So it's, uh, I think it switches gears in like, I don't know, 50 milliseconds or something. It's super fast, but that requires a lot of maintenance and servicing. And you have to, you know, tear apart the gearbox every, I don't know, 500 kilometers you make or 400. Yeah, that's not really practical for every, no, everyday driving. No. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, double clutch is like not even a thing in, in racing because I see it though. So my current car now has a double clutch and I really enjoy it because um, to me it's like the best of both worlds. It uh, like changes gears super fast while it still has the like non-sluggish feeling of a typical automatic. Yeah. So yeah. In, in racing, that's not a thing? Uh, I, I'm not sure if any racing gearboxes are double clutch because uh, since it's a double clutch, it also means it's a lot heavier than a single clutch oh, yeah. gearbox. You know, it has more it has more moving parts, but um, as far as the road, car go, road cars go, um, there are, yeah, I would agree, there are, extremely fast uh, really great and also um going back to porsche um their most like the most sportiest models they produce uh, have the double clutch gearbox and mm -hmm. that the philosophy is if you really want to go fast on a track you need a double clutch gearbox if you just want to enjoy driving the car you can you know have the manual and do your you know heel and toe and you know perfect manual shifting if you if you can make it but if you want to go fast it's it's only double clutch yeah ma manual is enjoyable i guess but it's yeah it's never as fast as double clutch on on the road i yeah. don't know on, on track probably the same yeah yeah exactly and the the interesting thing porsche does and a lot of other manufacturers as well is they put like the i don't know how exactly it's called but it's auto blip function if you downshift so for example, in a normal car, manual car, if you are braking from third to second gear, you are, if you don't um, press the throttle pedal a bit uh, while you're shifting, you know, the car judders a bit. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, so if you're going fast, uh, the wheels can actually block uh, because of the difference in the gearbox and the engine speed. Mm -hmm. And what Porsche does is that it has on a, on the Porsche Cayman GT4, uh, it has an auto blip function, which means that you have a manual gearbox, but when you put from you know fourth to third gear, it aut automatically blips the throttle, uh, raises the revs, and it matches perfectly with the engine speed. So that's kind of like if you still want to have a manual gearbox, but you know still go fast without you know fearing that you can you're gonna block the the wheels if you do, if you miss shift or yeah, yeah. if you don't do a proper heel and it's a it's a rev matching right is what it's doing yeah yeah, 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 yeah exactly yeah. rev match yeah, yeah yeah there's a there's a good video about this uh from engineering explained which i can put yeah, yeah. in the in the show notes uh that that guy is um, so good i i in general recommend following him on youtube because he has some amazing explanations of like how stuff works yeah he he's great I agree. And like to me it looks he looks a bit like uh Craig Federighi for some reason. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um yeah, but speaking about transmissions, um I think the ideal is like no transmission or like just one gear, which is like where electric is really promising. Do you think there is a future for uh, electric racing sometimes? I mean, yeah, we already have Formula E, but like looking, I don't know, ten years down the road uh yeah i i think it's gonna be a lot different than it is now and um i don't know i'm kind of on a fence about electric cars i definitely think it's the future 
you know, we like 50 years down the road, I'm, I'm sure the only people that are going to drive, uh, you know, dinosaur burning <laughs> engines uh, are going to be like those true petrol heads with vintage cars. Well, they're going to be vintage in 50 years. <laughs> um, but uh but yeah for racing uh the the electric engine has its uh benefits you know instant torque instant you know power delivery no gears like you said um i haven't driven uh an electric race car i i have been driven in a tesla before um but and it's it's insane <laughs> Uh, until you reach a corner <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um but i think when they figure out how to make batteries lighter and you know that's then it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting uh speaking of which the uh company have you seen uh the the english call it remake yeah 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 Rimet. yeah yeah so he he just introduced the concept two in geneva yeah i saw it it looks absolutely amazing yeah but it's also super expensive so yeah it's it's super expensive and uh, i don't know like like i said i think the biggest problem right now is weight and um when they solve that uh, it's it's gonna be tough you know i don't think a lot of teams are gonna uh, default to petrol engine race cars when the electric cars are you know are gonna get lighter and more competitive yeah i think this is um if someone figures out a new battery technology it's not just cars like every everything is affected like all the devices we use can technically just benefit a lot from like a smaller and or lighter battery exactly exactly but yeah i I don't know there's been a lot of talk about it for the past 15 years but we're still stuck in like this lithium-ion age for a really long time now yeah i i don't know like i'm hoping we can get uh, an improvement on that in that area soon but like it's it's funny if you look at mobile phones like you still remember old nokia's and they were like, you could play games for a week and the battery didn't drain out. And it's like... Yeah, but the screen was like 64 times 64 pixels, black and white. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So the, like the screen and all the capabilities advanced like hundredfold and the batteries were like, I don't know, advanced tenfold or something. So uh, yeah, I'm, I hope we can get a a cool alternative. Yeah. Um, and... Like you are a, a Ruby and or race developer by profession. Mm-hmm. So um, do you connect racing with your development side in, in any way? Uh, yeah, I think uh, so. One of the interesting things about racing is I'm not sure if it's the same. I know you're a passionate runner, um, but maybe you can tell me if it's the same. But when you are in a race car, you're strapped in, you have your helmet on and you're ready to race you can't really think about other things, you know, where when you're in a race car. So you have to focus 100%. You have to be there. You have to be present. And uh, I think it's the same with if you want to do real good work or programming work, you have to be focused. You have to eliminate all the distractions. Um, and I know it sounds cheesy, but you get you got to get into the flow. Oh, yeah, no, um, definitely. I, th- I think that's definitely true for racing, even just thinking about it. But for running, especially because I do it just for fun, um, it's not so much. Actually, it's quite the opposite. Like during running, I really clear my head. I can think about uh-huh. all the other stuff, which is... Um, one of the side benefits about running that I accidentally discovered and are now basically one of the primary reasons I, I run a lot because um, like every more than five kilometer run takes, I don't know, more than 30 minutes, which gives me enough time to yeah. completely disconnect from like everyday work and or just stuff and think about, I don't know, various things. Sometimes it's, you know, big picture stuff. Sometimes it's just thinking about life in general getting depressed and shit (laughs) Um, and sometimes it's um it's listening to podcasts um which which is also fun like you i I can't imagine you doing a a race and listening to a podcast that would be um probably not a good idea (laughs) nope yeah but uh that's 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 kind of true because you know i also work out and 
Uh, I recently started doing morning cardio again, uh, and it's exactly the same. I was just uh, today I was listening to your uh, the second episode with Swizzets, and it's it's cool. Like you can do some great you know beneficial stuff for your body, and you can also learn something or listen to a podcast or just think about you know your life and work and things. So yeah. Maybe if I would run two-hour marathon, that would be different. Because, um, but those people run fast, and I just run for for <laughs> enjoyment. I, I guess that's a huge difference from that. Um, but I was actually more thinking about your sort of side projects or anything that's like um, maybe originates because you are able to to be a developer and then uh, also connected to your, your racing passion. Like one of the things I saw was this um clothing uh -huh. sort of is it is it the gear is it a line I, I don't know how to call it but uh go go for the gap yeah yeah so uh that's um i have been trying to do or to create side projects for a long time but you know since i joined the the current company convert I have kind of neglected all of that because I just don't take the time um, to work on the side projects. But uh, yeah, Go For The Gap is one of the, the projects I created. I wanted to have a you know semi-physical store, but I wanted to sell physical goods. And I was passionate about driving or cars. And I just said, well, let's try this idea. And um yeah that's so far it's been kind of steady you know it hasn't been growing a lot but i haven't been putting a lot of work into it so it's kind of my fault but i'm hoping i can uh put more work into it soon um but yeah it is my kind of goal is to have a sustainable business that's maybe connected to racing or cars but that's extremely hard it's you know, if you watched the, I always remember the Slash Drive channel on YouTube. Um, it was, it was a channel where Chris Harris was also hosting a few shows, and I remember them putting all their content on Vimeo, and they were charging five bucks per month for their content, and everybody went crazy. Like, are you fucking <laughs> crazy? What are you doing? Why are you charging for these clips? And on the other hand, they were watching clips of Paganis and Ferraris for free online. So yeah, you always have, I guess it's the same with like uh, iOS apps and stuff like that. People pay like thousands of dollars, or even more now with the iPhone 10 for the phone, but then buying an app for three euros, oh my god, are you insane? While at the same time they're drinking like five dollar uh, exactly cup of the, coffee or whatever. Yeah, what you said. Yeah, but I, I think a, a lot of this internet media has this problem. People expect everything to be free because they're used to it. All the all the news sites are free, and if like one shuts down because like they can't sustain it anymore, there will be just another one which like with worse news. But people will just move there. Yeah, exactly, and it's it's super hard. And uh, you know, we we both know Amy Hoy and her teachings of you know you have to fix a real problem to make money. You have to find a problem, and with cars or racing, it's like it's mostly like hobbies, mm -hmm. and people don't really need it. So like they don't need my t-shirt with a ferrari print on it so it's a nice to have and which makes it more difficult to you know to sell and market yeah. I'll, I'll definitely put it in the show notes and because this is what i want to talk about it like yeah. they look really really awesome <laughs> thank you who who does the designs uh how, how does this happen so because like it's um it's a classic so for example the um, la ferrari right it's a it's a really recognizable shape but uh -huh. then to have it outlined like that on the shirt i think looks really really nice yeah thank you um so actually i had an idea about uh i was thinking how i can put cars on t-shirts and not make them look ridiculous because you can't really put printed photos on on t-shirts well you can but they won't look you know they won't look recognizable yeah plus they're probably copyrighted copyright exactly yeah so uh i had an idea for outlines 
like car outlines and um ironically enough i went on fiverr and found a guy uh actually i found a f i found a few people few different different providers and sent them a few test shots and basically i sent them a photo of a car and said can you outline the car and just you know make it just outlines no colors nothing and uh, i found a guy who is creating patents so he's like drawing technical drawings for patents oh interesting and uh he like he did a perfectly like amazing job and then i just you know send him a, a few more photos and we kind of tweaked them as we went along because sometimes he missed a detail like for for example on the porsche he thought he wouldn't include the carrera writing on the the side door and i said well that's a really important thing you have to include it and he was like okay cool and basically yeah we worked together and um created these uh outlines or shapes yeah they they look really nice have you ever saw one uh out in the out in the open like worn by someone that you didn't personally know no, no i think that yet. will be like the big thing Not like yet. ah i did that <laughs> yeah yeah um and yeah you also have a youtube channel um which is sort yeah. of uh, i i think you do a lot of stuff uh from like when you go racing and and uh, all that so how did you get into into vlogging and um yeah uh i don't know i think uh so my wife uh was maybe vlogging earlier than me and more often than me and she was like constantly saying you should blog about this about that and then uh obviously in slovenia there weren't any cool car vloggers until the the komotar minuta mm -hmm. happened and uh you know that's when it you know all started unraveling and people went crazy and he was so amazing blah 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 <laughs> uh and he's a great guy but i was like i thought okay so now he kind of paved the way for slovenian vloggers to kind of you know come out in the open and talk about cars um but i wanted to have a different take on cars like i don't care about you know reviewing a new kia or a new hyundai or whatever so i was like well i'm more interested in you know hot hatches or race cars or fast cars so uh yeah i kind of said i'm gonna try it and um uh, i don't know like i'm still struggling with it uh it's hard to produce for example if you would be reviewing or if you were a journalist and you would have a new car each day and you could produce an unlimited amount of material for logs that would be great but since i'm not i i'm kind of struggling you know what to put in how to find content what to talk about and i also recently switched from talking in slovenian to talking in english um so i'm still not sure where, where i'm heading with the the vlog but you know it's it's fun to create fun to record i'm learning new stuff is, is it fun to record that was basically my um what i wanted to ask you because for me it's so uncomfortable to be talking to myself while looking at uh, at the phone um I, i i tried vlogging for like five minutes but i didn't post any of that because it just yeah I, i i didn't feel um comfortable enough i guess yeah it's it's extremely uncomfortable from if like when you start and especially i have these wonderful friends um and you know the saying goes who needs enemies if you have friends like these <laughs> and they basically make fun of every clip i post oh yeah i, I have friends like that as well <laughs> yeah yeah so they're like it's like i put my heart and soul into a video and i post it online and they're like haha the way you pronounce this and this word is so funny haha <laughs> and i'm like mm, come on man uh but yeah it's uh it's uncomfortable but once you get going you kind of i'm now more focused into trying to you know put out great content versus i'm kind of ignoring the fact that i don't look good on camera or that my english is not so good or i don't know we'll see we'll see uh how it goes but yeah it is uncomfortable it is strange talking to a camera it's even stranger when you have to when you import like i don't know 30 minutes of yourself 
talking to the camera into iMovie and you start you know editing the the clips and you're like holy shit this is crazy this I didn't pronounce this good I, I'm not making any sense here so it's like yeah I, I know it's exactly the same thing with this podcast I'm like one of the things I find struggling is that I don't find the correct words when I'm recording and then listening back later I'm like oh I, I should have said that but like oh I'm not gonna edit it it's fine just gonna try to do it better next time yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly and it's the same with uh, you know with video content so I don't know man you should definitely try it why why not i don't know talk about podcasting <laughs> talk about you know yeah running, maybe. so i i don't know i also when i see people um just walking around with their huge so that's the thing like if they have the huge like rack and everything and i don't know canon or whatever uh, understand they look like oh they're like semi-professional but people talking to their phones to me just look uh i don't know it's something about it it's the same as seeing people taking photos with an ipad it's just something doesn't look right (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know i know but on the other hand i i don't know if we would be living in san francisco or new york that would be probably like everyday occurrences so you would be used to it yeah maybe um yeah, slovenia is a basic the whole slovenia is like a tiny town everyone knows everybody so yeah. it's um yeah. that's just the way it is here <laughs> yep do you have like um, a role model because obviously like if you if you look uh, at you at a glance and see like racing and and ruby and all that like dhh is of course the first thing that pops in mind yeah uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and go on the record for saying that he is kind of a role model. I don't know if I am allowed to say it, but I kind of have a man crush on him. <laughs> but but yeah, uh, I I remember when I discovered Basecamp or Thirty Seven Signals back then, and um, I was like reading their books and i was already into cars back then so i was reading their books you know jason freed dhh blah 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 and they were freaking awesome and remote work was appealing to me and uh, they were kind of role models you know making money on the internet with their app and uh, i was reading their blogs and then i slowly started you know learning more about dhh and back then he wasn't you know he wasn't on instagram mm-hmm. he didn't post any pictures on twitter like he i i didn't know anything about his personal life um and then i i don't know how but i think i was googling something maybe i was talking him and then i found this article or something on a crappy old like car newspaper thing i don't know and it was talking about a danish uh entrepreneur uh like commissioning a one-off Pagani Zonda and I was like well this seems kind of familiar and it the the car's name or HH right yeah it was HH and I was like hmm maybe this is it and then I googled further and I actually found a post on a Pagani forum uh, of a guy that was nicknamed dhh and he was telling people how he was in italy and how their test driver uh drove him on a test like test run on with their zonda and how he immediately signed the the contract (laughs) i was like well this is interesting like the zonda is my dream car and this guy who i already you know adore has the the zonda and i was like oh this is interesting and then i don't know maybe one or two years later he joined instagram and started posting these crazy pics of his cars and he also has the koenigsegg and a diablo and a carrara gt like all the crazy cars yeah, he has a lot of cars like all the time there are new cars like yeah. do you own this or did you just like borrow it i don't know exactly so and then i found out he also does racing and he was racing at le mans and my like all-time life goal is to race at le mans so i was like <laughs> holy shit this is and like this guy has all the things and is experiencing all the things i want to experience so it was you know, kind of strange coincidence, but that there can only be one DHH, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so far I'm not earning millions like he is, and can't afford all yeah, the cars. But so. like you have one thing going, you you have more experience with driving because he only learned to drive at 25, yeah, just at all. Like he didn't even drive before. So to me, this is something that I really 
I don't know, find fascinating that the guy didn't even drove and then almost immediately went into racing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's like I was, when I found that out, I was like amazed. How can you possibly, you know, be such a good racing driver? But I think it comes down to, like we said, if like with programming, you're constantly learning new things and how to approach, uh, you know, the same things at a different angle. And it's the same with racing. Like you have to be committed to to learn how to drive. To, uh, like, I would say, listen to the rules or the uh, recommendations, and then find your own way. And I, I think it's the same with programming. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, interesting seeing how how you can get into driving or racing at a later age and still be successful because most of the f1 drivers for example they start when they're like five years old mm -hmm. with go-karts and and so on but uh yeah. yeah and i mean to me it's even more fascinating like the rally drivers because yeah i mean of course f1 is the king of like motorsport but to me it looks sort of boring compared to like what guys in rally cars are doing that's just that's next level i cannot even imagine going that fast on that bad like the road that shouldn't that barely counts as a road but they're going over 200 kilometers per hour on it it's just yeah. Yeah. insane so an interesting fact um i recently bought a like that's coming up in my next vlog but i recently bought a like a racing simulator rig with with vr goggles oh nice so yeah that's that's cool and you should definitely come over and try it <laughs> but but uh so i like downloaded a rally game and tried it out and it's like it's so hard when you have to listen to the co-driver telling you which corner comes next and you're trying to go flat out and you know break and get the line and stuff like that and then you watch an onboard clip on wrc and they're like telling the driver like five corners ahead and they're going <laughs> flat out and jumping and avoiding the trees and it's yeah that, it's insane that I yeah for me that's yeah. like next level they, they are not human that's impossible to drive like that and yeah yeah one of my live dreams is not to drive like that because i'll never be able to but i'd love to just be next sitting next to a guy who drives like that or a girl doesn't matter just like drive me around yeah. like that and i'll probably be yeah. freaked out so uh, another interesting short story when we were in sweden you know doing the ice driving thing we were actually driving uh because i think the uh, wrc round in sweden was i think one week before huh. our trip to to, the, to sweden yeah so the the guy was like we were driving to the lake and there was like a twisty section of the road and snow banks like one and a half meter tall and there was like a crest and like you couldn't see what comes next and he was like saying yeah yeah last week the the guys from wrc were just testing their cars here and they went like flat out like 170 <laughs> over this crest and we were like driving 20 and i was like holy shit this is insane yeah that's so, next level yeah that's yeah Right, so um, if you want to, or like if you need to find three books or articles or, I don't know, videos or whatever, um, like a couple of things that really made an impact on, on you, like what would you, what would you pick? Well, this is an interesting one. Um, I would say definitely one of the, the biggest impacts uh, is, I'd say all the stuff that Basecamp is producing, but if I had to pick one, I would say their book rework. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one one of my favorite, if not my favorite, business book. Yeah, exactly. I think it changed my professional life because I thought that I was the only one, you know, thinking this is not how you should run a business and this is not how you should work. Mm. So it definitely like opened my eyes even further and let me know i'm not the only one that's thinking like that yeah for, for me that one was when i started uh with ruby and just discovered ruby because i was reading this book and i was like more i read it the more i was into it and i'm like this guy know how to do it and they're like super relaxed and they get all this amazing stuff done i want to do that as well and they're like what are they using oh rails what's rails oh ruby what's ruby and here I am, like six years later, <laughs> working this. Yeah. That's my profession now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Um, yeah, so that would be one. Um, hmm, it's interesting. I would say I'm gonna go on a limb here and say that um, the second resource is maybe a YouTube channel, okay. and it's called Petrolicious, and they basically produce these uh, wonderfully uh, filmed and edited clips of uh, cars and stories of car owners. So, uh, for example, how a car, uh, how a guy found the car of his dreams and how he, you know, fixed it up and how he's driving it now. So, that's a cool resource and. Um, it definitely made an impact on me because I, like, when I saw the first clip, I was uh, thinking to myself, "This is, you know, something I might want to be doing when, you know, I have the skill set." So uh, I love telling stories. I love, you know, uh, listening to stories of people, and especially if they're connected to cars. Yeah, maybe you can turn your vlog into something like this. Yeah, I was thinking about that but it's hard to uh, find all you know fi find people that are willing to share their cars and their stories and oh yeah sure like but for example the the guy you bought your car from the the drifting guy like there's one and as with all the things which was like also applies to this podcast to this podcast like you have to start somewhere and and then just go from there that's true yeah that's a good idea i'll see <laughs> <laughs> Um, and the third resource, uh, uh, I would say, okay, going back to uh, to business a bit, uh, I would say um, the stuff that I already mentioned, Amy Hoy. Mm -hmm. So uh, her her stuff, um, I think her blog is still called uh, Unicorn Free, or uh, I I forgot how how it's called. We can put it in the show notes. But basically, she is also teaching people how to make money online and that you don't need to be, you know, you don't have to make something groundbreaking or revolutionary or you don't have to be the next Steve Jobs and you can still uh, make money online, be successful, don't have to worry about, you know, being fired or having a boss. So her work definitely impacted me a lot. And funny thing, it also impacted the um, my my current boss uh, Nathan, which is uh, he grew his company from you know zero to we just passed uh, one million dollars in monthly recurring revenue. Yeah, wow, that's that's really awesome. Yeah, so uh, it's like it's it's a cool inspiration, and if you are looking to go or to create a side project that makes money uh that's a that's a cool resource uh to look through yeah uh sounds good i i met amy at railsconf what's now five years ago uh -huh. um and like at that time i had no no idea who she was and i really regret not knowing that but that also goes for a lot of other people because i was quite new to ruby still at that point uh -huh. and um <laughs> i like the the story i really vividly remember is um there was uh they they announced that in the lobby there's a guy uh, cutting sausages and then you can go try it out and i'm like wow this this portland really is weird <laughs> and only like three months later i found out about aaron Penderloff, right and like oh i'm oh. such an idiot <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah so oh, no. um, have, have you met dhh yeah uh briefly like for 10 minutes or something at that point i was making a mac os app for um uh for basically oh, yeah. Yeah, right. right and right. Um, I had a sort of, I don't know, 0 0.9 version there. And I approached him and I showcased him to him. And he was like, oh, this is really cool. Um, like, just tweet it or like email it to me when you're done. And then he actually, yeah, he he posted a tweet about it. So did Jason Fried. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, that didn't go very far. And then I changed jobs. So there's that. Uh, I hope I can meet DHH sometime. And I'm... 100% sure I'm going to ask him if he can drive me in his Zonda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think like the best uh, chance to meet him for sure is going to a RailsConf. Yeah. Um, he's always there. 
Um, so you, you can almost count on that. Or um, yeah, maybe Le Mans, but I guess it's harder to get access there. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the the last year or uh, the year before that, he was actually racing at Le Mans at the time that was uh, the, the Rails conf, conf was taking place. So he missed it because of Le Mans. Oh. Um, yeah, but... Ah, uh, we'll see. Well, great, great! You didn't plan to go to that race, golf. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. So meeting him at Le Mans would be great, and my own race team or race car <laughs> that would be, and driving next to him maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, I think you're entering now the the dream dream territory, but you know. yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, parallel dream. <laughs> you have to have your hopes up. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, well, thanks, Yuri, for, for this. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, thank you. I enjoyed it as well. Have a, Well, I, I wish you all the best in your racing career and also your business and go for the gap and, and vlogging and everything. Thank you, thank you. And I wish you all the best with the, the podcast. Well, thanks. It's been great so far. I listened to the, the first two episodes and looking forward to listen to more. Yeah, so, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks, Jure. Bye. Bye. Okay, this was my interview with Jure. Parallel Passion is a new podcast, so please share it with your friends and followings. One way to do so is to rate, review, favorite, follow, like and subscribe or whatever it is you do in your podcast app of choice. But please do it because it really, really helps. If you enjoyed this show and want me to keep at it, you can also support it via Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash That's patreon.com slash P-A-R-P-A-S-P-O-D. By becoming a Patreon supporter, you not only support this show, but also get some awesome stickers. You can see some photos of them on the Patreon page. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. We are at PairPassPod on all of them. You can submit your feedback there or, you know, just email me. All the links from this episode are in the show notes and on our website parallelpassion.com slash three. Thank you and have a passionate day.